it seems as if the Orioles, they can just only play close games. They got a seven-run lead in the sixth inning on Tuesday, and they win by three. But a win is a win is a win, as the Orioles even the series with the Guardians. But they did get some bad news about Cedric Mullins on Tuesday as well. I'll recap it all coming up on this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast. You are Locked On Orioles, your daily Baltimore Orioles podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, Orioles fans. Today is Wednesday, May 31st, 2023, and welcome back in to the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I'm your host, Connor Newcomb. And coming up on today's episode, we are going to recap the Orioles' 8-5 win over the Guardians, talk about the offense finally waking up early, and then the bullpen trying to give it away, but the Orioles coming out with a win. Then we talk about the O's addition to the roster on Tuesday and the news on Cedric Mullins. With Mullins going on the IL, the Orioles added Aaron Hicks, the former Yankee. What can he bring to the team? And finally, some more injury news on John Means and on Dylan Tate. But that's all coming up on this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast, which is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to get started today. So let's jump right into things here, starting with the O's game on Tuesday night. Final score, Orioles 8 and Guardians 5 from Oriole Park at Camden Yards in Baltimore as the O's get the win and even up this three-game series at one game apiece. Orioles with the victory go to 35 and 20 on the season. And as I record, Tampa Bay losing to the Cubs 2 to 1 in the 7th inning if that holds, O's would get back within 3 games of Tampa for first place in the AL East. And I'm going to get you the 5 things you need to know from the Orioles 8 to 5 win over Cleveland. And the first thing you need to know is, well the Orioles offense finally woke up in this game. And yes, they didn't do as much as they could have late in the game, but they scored two in the first, five in the second, and one more in the fifth to give them eight hits on, or eight runs, I should say, on 11 hits. And that was huge for the O's because they had only scored 11 runs in their last 46 innings coming into this game. That was dating back to the eight-run seventh inning back on Wednesday night of last week against the Yankees in that comeback win. 11 runs in the last 46 innings, including they were shut out by this Guardians team just on Monday in the first game of the series. But to bounce back was huge. Again, yes, you know, they did load the bases with nobody out in the seventh. They did get a leadoff double in the eighth. Didn't score as many runs as they would have liked late in this game to kind of push the lead. But it was huge to see the bats get things going in this game. Second thing you need to know from this one, keeping it with the bats, Orioles had to make some lineup adjustments because as we'll get to it later, Cedric Mullins was officially placed on the injured list with that groin injury after leaving the game on Monday. So first of all, you need a new leadoff hitter. And at least for this first game without Mullins, Brandon Hyde went with Adam Frazier. Now, it wasn't super surprising. Frazier had hit leadoff a couple days ago as well when Mullins got the day off. And Frazier did a nice job, two for five with a couple of singles and a couple of hard hit balls in this game. But it wasn't the only lineup shuffling that was going on in this game. We saw Austin Hayes hitting fourth in this one, also playing center field 
in this game, and, and that was something we were wondering about, you know, who would play center with Mullins out? Well, game one goes to Austin Hayes. He didn't have a hit, but he had an RBI on a sack fly. He had a walk. He had a strikeout. He ran down everything he could in center field. Then we saw Gunnar Henderson DHing and hitting fifth in this game. We'll get to his performance. Ryan Mountcastle had a one for four, but he was dropped to sixth in this one. And then the left fielder was Taron Vavra. So the outfield they went with was Vavra in left, Hayes in center, and Santander in right. It was a configuration I had talked about them potentially using on Tuesday's episode. Now, the interesting part was what they did late in the game. The defensive replacement in the ninth inning was Ryan McKenna, but he actually went into left field for Taron Vavra, and it was Santander who usually comes out because he's not a great defender. He really did misplay a ball on an RBI double in the sixth inning, and he's not very fast. So he usually comes out when it's, you know, Hayes, Mullins, and Santander. But it was interesting to see McKenna go to left. Santander stayed in the game in right field, and he actually made catches on the final two outs of this game in the ninth inning. Now, some of that reason may have been that Santander would have been due up second in the bottom of the ninth if the Orioles had given up three or more runs in the top of the ninth and had to hit. And you know Hyde would have wanted his bat in there instead of McKenna. So that's one thing, but it is interesting that they went Favre. Hayes, Santander, and it was McKenna who came into left field for Taron Vavra. Third thing you need to know from this one, sticking with the offense, it was really Gunnar Henderson and Anthony Santander who led the way for the O's. And two guys who have had different paths to this point in the season. We'll start with Santander, who was amazing in this game, hitting out of the three-hole. Three for four with two doubles, a triple, and three RBIs in this game. He had a bases-clearing three-run triple that really broke the game open in the second inning, put the Orioles up 6 nothing. It was his first triple since 2020 and just the fourth of his career, and he just continues to swing a very, very hot bat. Santander, if you remember, got off to a really, really cold start for the first about three weeks of this season, and since then, he's been on a tear. In the month of May, Santander has really been one of the Orioles' most consistent hitters. He's been great either hitting in the three-hole or the four-hole for the O's. But after this three-for-four game, Santander hitting 344 with a 432 on base and a 625 slugging. That's a 1057 OPS in the month of May in 111 plate appearances. He has been ripping the baseball. And in three of his last five games... Santander has three hits. This includes back-to-back three-for-four games against the Guardians. He is swinging the bat extremely well. And then Gunnar Henderson had a nice day as well. He didn't end his day great because he came up with the bases loaded and no outs in the seventh. Got a chance to hit against a lefty in Sam Hentges, and he grounded into really a rally-killing 4-2-3 double play, and the O's didn't get a run home. But besides that, Henderson went two for four, a single, a double, had three RBIs, only struck out once, and he had three hard-hit balls in the game. Hit a laser two-run double over the right fielder Will Brennan's head in the first inning to give the O's a 2-0 lead. Also delivered a hard-hit RBI single in the fifth to make it an 8-1 game. Really looked good swinging it on Tuesday. Fourth thing you need to know from this one as we switch over to the pitching side Kyle Gibson was solid in this game. Not amazing, not bad, just solid for the Orioles. He goes five and two-thirds innings, allowing three runs on seven hits. He struck out three and walked one, no long balls against him, and threw 95 pitches. Gibson's ERA now at 3.89 on the season. Did give up six hard-hit balls, and it was really two innings that got to Kyle Gibson. He was 
mowing guys down. He threw 34 pitches, and he was perfect. Actually retired the first 10 batters that he faced. Then there was Ahmed Rosario, had a one-out single in the fourth for the first base runner. And then Gibson threw you know around 25 pitches in that fourth inning, gave up a run, just couldn't quite put the Guardians away, but got out of it with one run. It was still a 7-1 to one game. And then it was the sixth inning that really hurt him. Gave up two scorching doubles off the bat. Couldn't get that final out, gave up back-to-back runs, came out of there at an 8-3 game, and just could not complete that sixth inning to get the quality start. He gave up a double to Naylor and Jimenez at 109 and 103 off the bat. You could tell it was uh, it was kind of time to take him out, and Brandon Hyde did so. But otherwise, just your regular Kyle Gibson, you know, mixing all of his pitches as he's really done all season. 95 pitches, he threw all six of his offerings at least 10 times. Sinker 22 times. This might have been his most even mix of the year. 22 sinkers, 18 cutters, 17 four-seamers, 14 change-ups, 14 curveballs, and 10 sweepers. He only had five whiffs, and four of them came on the four-seamer. He was not getting any swings and misses, but he was getting soft contact really until that sixth inning and did enough to help the O's win this game. But the fifth and final thing you need to know from this one is that the bullpen just was not good in this game. The only guy who pitched well was Felix Bautista, who came in and got a 1-2-3 ninth with a strikeout to secure the save and secure the 8-5 win, did not allow a hard-hit ball. But other than that, everybody really struggled out of the pen. It started with Brian Baker. And now the Orioles were in kind of a weird spot because they're doing the bullpen game today. It's probably going to be Austin Voth either starting or pitching in bulk. So the O's had this weird situation where they probably would have used Voth in this spot to give them multiple innings in a five-run game, but they needed him. So they went to Brian Baker, and he got the strikeout to finish out the sixth. Then the plan would have been, hey, Baker comes back out for the seventh, gets us through that inning, facing the righties at the bottom of the order. Instead, he goes walk single to the eight and nine batters, Zunino and Miles Straw. So the lefties come up. He comes out. Danny Coulomb comes in. Coulomb, a walk and a hit in only two-thirds of an inning, gives up, a, you know, loads the bases, gives up a two-run single, makes it eight to five. And then Yenye Cano comes in, and, and he gets a big ground out to end the seventh. But he allows back-to-back singles to open the eighth. Luckily got two straight ground balls, a force out, and a double play to end the inning. But he didn't look quite his best, although he did get four outs and not allow a run. And it took until Bautista. And it, it was disappointing and and is not going to be good for the Orioles moving forward that they were leading this game. Eight to one in the sixth inning. And they only won eight to five. And they had to use... Their four best relievers. I mean, I would tell you right now, Baker, Coulomb, Cano, and Bautista are the Orioles' four best relievers. They used all of them in a game that was 8-1 to one in the sixth. And they have no one to blame but themselves for Baker not being good and for Coulomb not being good. That's who they had to blame. It's unfortunate, but they did what they had to do to get the win and evened up the series at one game apiece. But the Orioles on Tuesday also added a new player who... We thought maybe would be in the lineup, but ended up staying on the bench, but could make his O's debut here on Wednesday. And that is Aaron Hicks, the former outfielder for the Twins and Yankees, who the Orioles signed to a major league deal on Tuesday because they needed an outfielder and Cedric Mullins had to go on the injured list. So coming up next, we'll talk about the update on Mullins, how long he could be out, why the Orioles went for Aaron Hicks, and what he could bring for the O's in the meantime. But first, this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. FanDuel Sportsbook 
you can make a fast break to FanDuel during the NBA playoffs because right now, new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $2,500. That's $2,500 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Now, I'm not sure which way I'm leaning. I'm thinking Nuggets in the NBA Finals, but I'm not quite sure yet. But what I love about betting on the FanDuel Sportsbook app is that they have all these great promotions every day. The app is super safe, super secure, makes you sign in every time. You can put limits on how much you're wagering, and you get paid instantly. Your money's safe, and you get it right when you win. There's no better place to bet all the playoff action than America's number one sportsbook. Visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and get a no-sweat first bet up to $2,500. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. FanDuel, official sports betting partner of the NBA. So the Orioles win it 8-5 over the Cleveland Guardians on Tuesday night, evening up this three-game set at one game apiece. But they also had a new face in the dugout on Tuesday, kind of watching the game from afar. He was active but didn't get into the game. And that is the 33-year-old switch-hitting outfielder Aaron Hicks, who the Orioles signed to a major league deal on Tuesday afternoon. Now the question is, why Aaron Hicks? Well, first of all, The Orioles needed an outfielder. It's something we knew, something we talked about on Tuesday's episode. Cedric Mullins has hit the 10-day injured list with his groin strain. Went on the IL after pulling up, running down the first baseline in the eighth inning of Monday's loss, came directly out of the game. Orioles said quickly after the game that it was uh, abductor slash groin strain. And then on Tuesday, they did put him on the IL. Mike Elias talked to the media on Tuesday, said it's going to be weeks, not months for Mullins' injury. He was asked what grade of a strain it would be because if you look it up, it says grade one, about three to five weeks. Grade two could be up to two to three months. And grade three could be five to six months, which would put Mullins out for the year. Now, Elias said if he had to put it in a category, he would say the medical people are saying grade two. But the way he was talking and how he talked around it made it seem like it's about the lightest grade two strain you can have. So it seems like Mullins is going to be somewhere between three to five weeks and two to three months. So I would say the optimistic thing to look at here would be five to six weeks, right? Probably at least a month he's going to miss, but hopefully not much more than that. Talked about it yesterday, how generally this injury, if it's grade one, is about a month. Seems a little more severe than that, but Brandon Hyde did say that it's good news what they got medically from the further testing Tuesday morning. It's good news, he said, that Mullins actually pulled up running to first. He said if Mullins would have continued to try to run through the bag, he could have done more damage. So that's good as well. And so we will see. But at this point, the Orioles are going to be without Mullins for at the very least, I would say, a month. Like, I wouldn't expect him back till July 1st at the absolute earliest. And that's big for an O's team that, you know, has won 35 games here and is in second place in the AL East. And as I said on yesterday's episode... I would say Adley Rutschman is the number one player you don't want to lose to injury. Number two on this roster right now is Cedric Mullins. That's how good he's been. It's impossible to replace all his production on this team, but you try to patch it together. And I worked through all those different scenarios the O's could have done. You know, maybe called up a Daz Cameron, you know, kind of be a veteran in center field. Recalling Joey Ortiz or calling up Jordan Westberg and playing more Vavra and Frazier and O'Hearn in the outfield. People even talked about moving Jorge Mateo to center field. You know, he used to play there for the Padres and played a little bit of center in spring training this year for the Orioles. Those were all interesting options. 
But for now, the Orioles went with a veteran, and they went out and signed Aaron Hicks, who they signed to a major league deal who will make the prorated major league minimum salary. He had two years left on his five-year, $70 million contract extension with the Yankees, but the Yankees released him on Friday. He had just been so bad. They're paying the rest of that contract. The O's just pay the minimum to Hicks for however long he is on the roster. Now, there were some moans and groans, from me included, because Aaron Hicks has been really, really bad recently. That is why, despite the fact that Giancarlo Stanton is injured and Harrison Bader is injured, the Yankees still released Aaron Hicks. Yankees fans, Aaron Hicks was public enemy number one for Yankees fans, basically. As soon as they traded Joey Gallo, it became Aaron Hicks. He was real bad this year for the Yankees. In 28 games and 76 plate appearances for the Yankees this season, Hicks hit just 188 with a 263 on base, a 261 slugging. Just one homer, a 49 WRC plus, and a 215 X Woba. That is really, really low. 49 WRC plus means he was 51% worse, about half as good as a league average player this year. Small sample size, 76 plate appearances, but still not good. Just a 9% walk rate, 26% strikeout rate, worth negative 0.4 war, according to fan graphs. Defensively, he was league average as well out there. It just wasn't good. Now, it's still a very small sample size, and so he did play a, a pretty full season in 2022 for the Yankees. So those numbers probably do a little better job of telling the story of what, at least on the surface, you're getting at the moment in the 33-year-old Aaron Hicks. Well, in 2022, he played most of the season with the Yankees. 463 plate appearances. Not an everyday player, but it's pretty close. Hit 216. 330 on base, 313 slugging. Just a 90 WRC plus, which meant he was still 10% worse than a league average hitter. Eight homers. Now, a 14% walk rate was really, really good, but a 24% strikeout rate was not. He was still worth 1.4 war, according to Fangrass, because he had four defensive runs saved, and the outfield was still playing a good left field, and honestly was playing a lot of center field and was solid out there as well for the Yankees. So it wasn't all terrible, but again, he was still below a league average hitter. Last year, he was pretty split on his splits as a switch hitter. I mean, 88 WRC plus against left or as a left-handed hitter, 86 as a right-handed hitter. Not much of a difference, not great from either side. Been much better as a right-handed hitter in 2023, but again, that's in a very, very small sample size so far this season with the Yankees. Basically, what the Orioles are getting here is a guy who used to be a good hitter. Like, when he was with Minnesota, and then in his early years with the Yankees, I mean, he was he was really good in the short in 2020 season, okay in 2019, but he was great in 2018 with the Yankees. But really, since the start of 2021, he just has not been good at the plate. He's been a solid defender since then, but in center field, he's been a little shaky. In the corners, he's still been good. But in center field, he can still play that position, right? And I mean, he played almost 600 innings in center field for the Yankees last year. And he played 42 innings in center this year. So he can still do it. He's just more valuable defensively in left or right field. So the one thing Hicks can do for the O's, at the very least, even if he's not hitting that well, is if you do want to put Austin Hayes in center field, like the Orioles did on Tuesday night, you can at the very least put Hicks in left field, kind of a cavernous left field out there. You want a second center fielder. And if you think his bat is better than Ryan McKenna's, which right now is questionable, but I would probably maybe give the edge to Aaron Hicks, then you can at least do that. And you also know you can play him in center if you need to. He gives you another 
veteran option. It's not exciting, right? He cannot hit a breaking ball at this point in his career. His power is kind of zapped. The walk rates are still there, so he can still get himself on base, but he's just not really hitting at this point. And the defense is not as good. I mean, his arm is still crazy strong. He's still got an amazing arm in the outfield. He's still a switch hitter, which gives you some versatility. He can still play all three outfield positions. But again, I think the bat is probably cooked for Aaron Hicks. Mike Elias talked about how, you know, all the surface stats aren't going to tell the story. And, you know, they basically alluded to we have some plans to hopefully get him a little bit better for the time being. What I could see this being is Hicks isn't even here for the entirety of Mullen's absence. I could see this being a situation similar to when the Orioles brought in Brett Phillips last year. Now, there wasn't a direct injury that made the O's bring in Phillips. They just kind of wanted a better defensive outfielder off the bench. That was when Ryan McKenna was really, really struggling. I could see it being, because Phillips was only here for a couple of weeks last year, I could see Hicks doing the same thing. Because, as I talked about yesterday, when this injury happened, everyone's mind went to Colton Kowser. It was like, he's been great in AAA, he can play center field, he's a left-handed bat, he's one of the top prospects, it's go time Colton Kowser. Well, he's on the injured list. Now, he hasn't come off the injured list yet with that quad issue, but Mike Elias said on Friday that Kowser was pretty close to getting back off the IL. Now, I've talked about how the O's aren't just going to activate him and immediately put him in the big leagues for his Major League debut. They're going to want to ease him back in. Maybe he'll go on a rehab stint, then he'll want a week or so in AAA. But I could see if Kowser does return later this week, maybe two weeks from now, maybe by mid-June, Kowser gets back into the swing of things. He's, he's healthy. He starts to hit again at AAA. I could see Kowser coming up and Hicks being DFA'd. I could see the fact that the O's brought in Aaron Hicks on you know the, the league minimum on a major league deal. He's a veteran that's been on a lot of winning teams before, played in the AL East for a long time. I can see them just bringing him in for a couple of weeks. He starts, you know, maybe every other game, plays some left, plays some center, maybe pinch hits a little, defensive replacement, whatever you need him to do, he does it. Seems like a really good clubhouse guy as well, Aaron Hicks. You just bring him in to, to be a veteran and help you out for now. And when Kowser is healthy and is in the stride of hitting in AAA, you bring him up to be that fill-in for the last couple of weeks. And maybe it was just the fact that the O's had that plan anyway. They knew it was going to be Kowser in a couple weeks, but he wasn't healthy yet. And maybe they didn't want to call up Daz Cameron because you could say, well, what's the difference between Daz Cameron, who the O's have in AAA, and Aaron Hicks, who they brought in? Well, maybe they'd rather keep Cameron over Hicks long-term. So they'd have to DFA one of them when Kowser was ready. So maybe they were more fine with just DFAing Aaron Hicks in two weeks than Daz Cameron. That could be the case as well. I don't think we're going to see Aaron Hicks in the lineup every day. He, he wasn't in there on Tuesday. I think it's going to be some Hayes and some Vavra and left, McKenna filling in. You'll see Santander in right field pretty much every day. You'll see some Frazier, maybe some O'Hearn out there. I don't think it's going to be every day. I do think the bat is cooked. He can help the team a little bit, not a lot, maybe just a veteran presence, but not that I super agree with it, but that's why, at least at this point, the Orioles made the move. But the big news is, is not Aaron Hicks. The big news is Cedric Mullins, and that – we should expect him probably to be out at least a month and potentially more. And it's going to be a hit to this O's team. Now, it's a good sign that the offense was struggling. In the first game without Mullins, they scored eight runs. That's a good sign. But that needs to continue. And Austin Hayes worries me a little bit defensively in center, although he did a great job out there on Tuesday night. And Aaron Hicks is nowhere close to Cedric Mullins. So the, the team just got worse. I mean, that's easy to say. But the question is, can they at least sustain some level of winning before Mullins does return? But there's a couple more injury updates on a couple of pitchers I wanted to get to coming up next before we finish off the pod. 
So with Aaron Hicks sitting there and watching on the bench, potentially in the lineup today, the Orioles did beat the Guardians 8-5 to to even up this three-game series at one game apiece. Game three going for the series is today. It is a day game, 3.05 p.m. Eastern time start. The former Cy Young candidate and Cy Young winner Shane Bieber will take the mound for the Guardians. I think Bieber is one of the kind of dream trade candidates for Orioles fans to go after at this deadline. Bieber has a 3.04 ERA this season, which is very, very good. I mean, that's a pretty regular Shane Bieber ERA, but he's done it very differently this year. His strikeout numbers have just fallen off a cliff. In 11 starts, he's thrown 71 innings and only struck out 49 batters this season. That is not very Shane Bieber-like. It's been more soft contact, getting kind of quicker through innings. His last start against St. Louis on Friday, this is a case of what he's been doing this year. Six and two-thirds innings, two runs, five hits, two Ks, and four walks. We'll see if the O's can jump on him. O's haven't technically named a starter yet for this game, but it's going to be either Austin Voth starting or the O's will go with an opener, potentially like Cienel Perez or Keegan Aiken, and then Voth would be the follower. They're going to try to get him basically through four innings at the most if they can in that game and then bullpen it the rest of the way and try and win a series. And you can catch every pitch of the Orioles' hometown broadcast of today's game with SiriusXM on the SXM app. Just search Orioles. So we had that injury news on Mullins. Aaron Hicks now with the team. I, I would honestly guess that, that he might be in there against Shane Bieber here on Wednesday. But we got a couple more injury updates actually earlier in the weekend. This was back on Friday. Mike Elias called a press conference on Friday afternoon. Just didn't have time to get to this on either the Monday or the Tuesday episode just because there was so much going on with the Grayson Rodriguez news and then the Cedric Mullins injury. There was a lot to get to. So now we settle in to that news we got on Friday. Unfortunately, it was bad news on two very important Orioles pitchers. The first one is John Means. Now, we thought John Means was fully ready to go. You know, Eric Garfield had reported that Means was down in Sarasota with the Orioles, maybe pitching an extended spring training, but he never pitched a game. And then he was back in Baltimore, and it turns out he suffered a setback. Now, the good news is the mean setback that the Orioles announced was not related to the elbow. It was not related to his arm. It was not related to the Tommy John surgery he got last May. It wasn't even related to the shoulder issues that he's had over the past couple of years. That's the good news. The bad news is it's still an injury that's going to delay his comeback from Tommy John surgery. He strained a muscle in his upper back where he was, while he was basically kind of exercising, I believe doing some weighted ball activities, and was prepping to get back on the mound in an extended spring training game for the first time in Sarasota, just felt something, ended up with a strained muscle, and so they're going to shut him down for a little bit. He said he'll continue to do lower body workouts, strengthen his core, all that stuff. He's just not going to throw for a little bit which means the rehab is going to be set back a little. So what the Orioles did say is their timeline was July for John Means. They said July is now out of the question. So we're looking at, I would say, probably mid-August as your best-case scenario for Means. So that means after the trade deadline. That does kind of change what the O's would want to do at the deadline. And basically, Mike Elias just word vomited when he was asked about the trade deadline and the Orioles' plans on Friday I guess his words kind of lean towards, yeah, we're going to look to be buyers, but he just said a bunch of nonsense. I didn't really even understand what was going on in all those sentences. It seemed more positive rather than negative in terms of buying, but I don't really know. I think this means 
update probably leads them more towards going to get a starting pitcher, you would hope. But that's the update on John Means. Now, Means did say, I am going to pitch for the Orioles in 2023. And everything the Orioles and Elias said is they are still hopeful that Means will pitch for the big league club this season. In what role? Who knows? But I'm just hoping by September, the O's have John Means back in some capacity. And then in 2024, they have full go ace John Means back. That is the hope for me at this point. And then the other update is on Dylan Tate. And honestly, for me, the Tate update is worse because Dylan Tate could have easily been back by now. And we've talked about this. He had that, you know, forearm issue that popped up in November. You know, he went on the injured list. It was a flexor strain, whatever it ended up being. He came back to do rehab appearances alongside Michael Gibbons. And Tate was just horrible. In 10 rehab outings, he had a 14.04 ERA, mostly between AA Bowie and AAA Norfolk. His velocity was fluctuating. His command was fluctuating. I was watching a lot of the outings. He just didn't look right in those rehab outings. And it turns out he either re-injured or re-aggravated something because the Orioles basically had until Friday to make a decision because his 30 days of rehab assignments, which is the longest you can stay on rehab, had run out. The O's had to make a decision. They could either option him to AAA, put him on the big league roster, or put him back on the IL. And the Orioles put him back on the injured list. They said he had a stress reaction in his elbow. He's back on the IL. Elias didn't seem too concerned when talking about the injury, basically saying like it's only a small setback, it's not a major one. But to me, between the way he looked and the fact that it's another different injury, I am still concerned that Tate may need Tommy John surgery at some point here and that his arm is very, very injured. He was the Orioles' most reliable reliever most of the time last year. I mean, the O's would love to have a healthy Dylan Tate right now, but it's just not happening I'm worried about what he can give the O's this year. I think at some point he could be transferred to the 60-day injured list here at some point. I'm just worried about him. I hope, you know, maybe by the All-Star break or earlier they can get him back. I mean, hopefully when they get him back, he's a healthy version of Dylan Tate. But it stinks to not have him because he's so reliable and he's so fun to pitch when he's on or fun to watch pitch when he's on. It's just tough right now for Tate. And, and we'll keep giving you updates when I get him. But it's just, yeah, it's, it's not looking great for, for Dylan Tate at the moment for him returning to the Orioles bullpen here anytime soon. But looking better for the team on the field, despite the bullpen struggles, they did win it 8-5 on Tuesday. They go for the series win in the Wednesday matinee. And then I'll be back with you on Thursday. We'll be recapping Game 3 between the Orioles and the Guardians and taking a little look at uh, maybe the Aaron Hicks debut in an Orioles uniform. But that's all coming up on tomorrow's episode. Until then, I'm Connor Newcomb, and this has been the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, your team.